Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. I'm delighted this week to be joined by Leona Archery. She has spent more than 25 years working in South Africa's public sector, directing various projects in the area of agriculture, rural development and land reform specifically. She's now a director at Biggin Africa, one of South Africa and indeed Africa's leading infrastructure solutions companies. And to tell us about her role at Biggin, in particular, I've invited her to tell us about the current role that she's uh, moonlighting in, or she'll clarify, at the Agriculture Development Agency. This is South Africa's Agricultural Development Agency, a core initiative of South Africa's public-private growth initiative. I think Secretariat established earlier this year, and so no one better to tell us about the state of South Africa's agriculture sector and the ambitions of industry and, dare I say, government, given her experience in government for that sector in the near, medium and long term. Leona, I'm delighted to have you. Tell us about your role at Biggin. I know that the agriculture unit, business unit, is a, is a relatively new initiative, I think, and you've been seconded into the South African Agricultural Development Agency. How is life in the private sector treating you after so long in, in the public sector? Thanks for that. I think that when I was originally making the shift from public to private, I was a bit afraid that this leap would be quite a big one. But I think that bigger in terms of the way in which we have been setting up the agricultural unit has really been focusing also on the development impact of agriculture. And I think for me, that made that transition a lot easier than it would have been in a normal sort of profit-driven environment. So most definitely we are profit-driven, but I think the idea is that we want to ensure that while we're doing business, we're doing good uh, and that we make an impact on the communities that are surrounding. And so over the years, as Bigan was busy implementing infrastructure projects, they realized that there's a lot of work that could be done in the agriculture space that could actually drive the economic development of those communities. So if you're doing a human settlements project, uh, do you look at it as pure human settlements or do you rather look at it uh, as something where you can add elements of local economic development? And I think both in Africa and South Africa, we're learning that there is huge opportunity for agriculture to actually become one of the key drivers of our economy, both in our rural spaces, but also in our urban areas. So building up that unit from that level has been good for me. Obviously, we've had our own challenges over the last two years and COVID over the last six months, but we're beginning to engage quite well with traditional leaders, land reform beneficiaries as well, and developing then with them models around how to use agriculture to catalyze development within those spaces. So, yeah, that's where we are with our agri-unit in Biggin. Wonderful. Well, thanks for that, for that brief overview. I'd like, if you may, for us to tell us about the, the significance of the agricultural sector to South Africa's economy. I know it's big, but quite how big is it and how critical is it as a contributor to GDP and, and probably specifically in the context of South Africa to employment? I think with agriculture, and this is where the challenge comes, I think agriculture does play a very important role in our economy. And one would look especially in our rural economies, but even at, at a national level, the challenge you have is that uh, compared to some of the other extractive sectors and the other industries, agriculture is sitting between 2.53% contribution to our uh, GDP. But that said, it has the highest potential to create jobs in South Africa. And I think we see that even in Africa, right? But the difficulty you have is that it's not yet developed 
to its fullest potential in the country. So it plays an extremely important role. We have a highly developed commercial agricultural sector, but we also then have a developing or emerging smallholder farmer sector. Now, obviously, in South Africa, you cannot remove the politics of our past from our agricultural sector. And uh, we have been working over the last 25 odd years in terms of transforming the sector so that we begin to drive this whole thing of inclusive growth within the sector so that you find the impact being felt both at the smallholder farmer level, the developing commercial black farmer level, as well as then continued growth of the current commercial farming sector. So it has been a challenge in that the commercial farmers in our country has often largely been white commercial farmers, and the agro or agri-industries have often also had uh, some kind of monopolies that they were involved in. But I think over the past few years, you're finding a lot of commitment from the commercial farming sector to actually grow and develop the emerging black farmers in our country. And I think that and the impact in the years to come is going to be substantial in the number of jobs that we can contribute to the economy. Right now, obviously, the the contribution or the budget allocations into agriculture is not where we want it to be at government level as well. I mean, you know, in Africa, there have been all of our declarations and commitment that we would get up to about 10% uh, in terms of allocations. We're not yet there. So I think if we can find a way for that to change, then agriculture will definitely become one of the rising contributors greater into the economy than it is, but definitely played a fundamental role in both the rural and urban economy. Yeah, now I'm going to ask you in a, in a minute, if I may, just to touch on the, the land distribution issue or redistribution issue, because I know that that's, that's been a, a hot topic for a couple of years now, at least in South Africa, and comparisons or being made with the ill-fated policies in Zimbabwe. Interestingly, a, a recent development you will have probably seen some compensation agreed for the white farmers who lost yeah. their land. I haven't looked into that in, in great detail, but I do want you, if you will, just to address that briefly. But first, a bigger question. I have myself been working across the African continent for the last 20 years, and this promise of an agrarian revolution has never been far from every conversation. Donors getting very excited at different periods of time and contributing really quite significant portions of funding for very good reason, and, and one of those reasons being that you pointed out Africa has comparative advantage in agriculture, and it's also a great employment contributor when you get it right, and with the appropriate policies, it can be a very inclusive generator of jobs as well, you know, catering for women and, and other sections of society. What has been the factor that has meant that irrespective of all, all the work that's been done in this area, we are still in a position where we don't have enough globally competitive agriculture sectors from within Africa. Even if one does all of the research, and like you say, Marcus, you've worked a lot in Africa, but even if we looked at South Africa and the efforts put into our green revolutions and uh, you know all of the agrarian transformation programs, and uh, we also have been wondering, you know, why do we not reach the potential that we want to reach, or why are we not reaching the numbers of farmers that we want, or why are we not converting them into full participation within the entire agricultural value chain? Uh, because I think one of the difficulties has always been that when we invest funding, and I noticed that even in, in South Africa, if we invest funding, we've been investing them 
either in production level. So you'll find a range of projects that will invest in people planting. And so you'll have your country planted with maize and whatever when it's planting season. And then you'll find other times when we would want to invest significantly into agro-processing infrastructure. Right? But I think one of the biggest challenges has always been of how to develop our farmers in that full chain. So I think for me, that's one of the biggest problems. And we always tend to, how can I say, say to people, plant this, all right, or plant maize or plant. But the question is, have we back engineered that properly from a demand so that we're planting the right crop firstly for the market that we want to go to, but also that the support institutions that we put in place, are they able to give the support that's needed to bring about the sustainability the quality change that's required in that product so that farming begins to be treated as a business enterprise. And I think for me, that's one of the biggest challenges, both in South Africa and in Africa. I mean, I attended a World Bank conference last year on, on land and poverty, where many of the African countries were also making presentations. And I think what you find is we have a lot of people who have the ability to farm. But we have good land to plant in. We have access to water and a whole number of other things, and, and good climate in a number of areas, even though, you know, others would be drought and, and things like that. But the problem we have is that we don't treat it as a business enterprise. So when we're going into it, it's almost as if, you know, you're planting to see what you get out of it. But that's not the right approach as far as I'm concerned. And that's why you find your big retailers, even though they may start initiatives with smallholder farmers, they tend to fall back in many instances, to your tried and tested commercial farmers to produce for you because we've not been able to get that mix right. And I think that's where some of the work that we're trying to do with the Agricultural Development Agency, Marcus, is about bringing together the good jockeys who understand the full model and linking them up with our new up-and-coming farmers so that over a period of a few years, they can understand the full system and not just portions of the system. So that's one. Two, we've never been able to make breakthroughs into the value chain because we do not encourage, like I'm saying, the, the agro-logistics part and the processing and the value addition part. And I think for me, that's why it's very important that we look across the entire chain. The other thing I want to say is that we would always put up these programs. But for me, uh, one of the problems is political will in pushing agriculture to the extent it needed, needs to be pushed to. I was saying to you, I mean, if you had the Malabo Declaration, for example, which spoke of the 10 to 12 percent investment in agriculture in South Africa at the moment, between land and agriculture collectively, we were not even at 2 percent of our budget. And if we're a, a developing country and we want to use agriculture as the key driver of jobs, etc., then we need to actually have that political will to ensure that the budget follows what we're trying to do in terms of strategy. And I think, for me, that's the other, uh, other challenge. Obviously, I think the other problems that we've had in South Africa and Africa is looking at the entire logistics value chain. I think the whole issue around transportation, covering everything that needs to be covered to get your goods to market. If one looked at rural Eastern Cape, for example, we may get farmers producing excellent citrus. But by the time we get it to market from the very deep rural areas, the fruit is damaged, it cannot be exported. So I think it's, it's a combination of things that we probably have to look at, but really holistic support and development across the value chain with the right skills, the right market access, 
And then the last one would be the access to affordable finance, which has always been a challenge. I mean, even in communal area farming, we do not want to give credit to our communal farmers because there's no collateral. And you would think that so many years into this whole thing, we would have found a way for commercial banks to be able to finance that. But that still is a challenge. And I think that's where we need an agency like Agda is also trying to do the same thing, bring affordable, accessible finance into the, into the space. And a lot of others have done that in Africa and both South Africa as well. For women, for young people, for me, those are the, the people that we can actually uplift through this process. Tell us a little bit more about ACTA, if you will. I gave a very brief introduction to it. Tell us, you're the interim CEO there. It's a, it's a new agency. I understand it's a private sector initiative. It interlocutes direct with government. What's the ambition there? So, indeed, it is a private sector-driven initiative. It's made up of partners that came together about two years ago. You remember that I think the president also at the time, President Ramaphosa, understood that in order for us to move our country and economy forward, just reliance on government-type models and government-type interventions was not going to get us anywhere or would actually take us a long time to get where we needed to be. So he had then said, how would private sector come in and partner to begin to create new and innovative models of development, not just in the agri-sector, but across the space? And agriculture became then one of those under the public-private growth initiative as a key entity or a key initiative to drive transformation and job creation within the sector. So the partners that have joined us, I mean, they cover the entire agri-value chain. We have a big agribusiness that's joined us. We have commercial farmers, some of the biggest commercial farmers in South Africa that are partners. We have communal area farmers, small farmers. All of the agricultural unions, members from the different unions come into the agency. We've had significant engagements with the banking sector as well. And they've indicated a willingness then to partner with us, where Agda then would de-risk transactions for them. So Agda's main purpose is really to facilitate access to affordable and credible accessible finance, to help with market access, to help with skills development. Uh, and we do all of this through a partnership model. So the idea is, like I was indicating earlier, to actually link uh, new farmers with those that have been farming already. It could be a, a well-established commercial farmer, and they then would take these farmers under their wing. So it's almost under an aggregator model where they would collectively be able to receive the support they have, but also collectively engage with market, which is important because that's the way we believe you'll be able to bring up the standard quality sustainability market access. So we've been working now for the last 24 months. We've had serious engagements with several of the DFIs, including some of the international DFIs. And we've had a good response in terms of the agency and what it can provide. We're working also with the mining sector. And obviously with government, like you're saying, our idea is to help contribute to a sustainable land reform sector through the support that we can give. And I think the importance of what we're doing, Marcus, is we're trying to bring together a range of players under one umbrella so that we can actually, through that partnership model, begin to deal with the gaps that exist in the sector if there was only one player trying to address them. But here, we're doing it as a collective. So the agency is a not-for-profit. We're doing a fun capital raising type of project at the moment, and we'll raise our capital mostly from private sector and partner with government as well on projects where we need to. But we're not funded by the state at all. 
Thank you. Thank you for that very helpful overview. You touched very briefly on the land reform issue. Can you give us a sort of status update? What's the current thinking and approach towards land reform in South Africa? Um, as you know, for the past few years, land reform, different models have been tried. So you have restitution on the one hand, which still stays with of restoration to land. But I think more and more, we're realizing that even as you restore land, you have to build in the elements of sustainability. Otherwise, you could be restoring thousands of hectares of land and people would be in a worse off position than they were in in the first place. I think the challenge that you still have on restitution is that you don't have homogenous groups necessarily. You could have a thousand claimants, other claims could have 3,000 claimants. So you really have to find the right type of settlement models. And I think that's something that the Commission is still trying to grapple with, but definitely actively seeking uh, new ways of doing what they've been doing before. So rather than just settle the claims, but make sure that it is settled in a manner that actually brings long-term sustainability for that community. And I think that going forward, some of the models they would probably have to look at would be a combination of business and, and human settlement, rather than just trying to give land without dividing the land, for example, correctly, You looking at different governance mechanisms and institutions. So obviously, restitution has to continue. It is a statutory mandate of the country. And we have to make sure that those dispossessed of land are restored. I think it's about how do we make sure the land we're restoring gets back into production fully or stays in production fully and adds value to those who are being given the land. On the redistribution side, obviously, you know, in the last few years, one of the key drivers of redistribution has been the proactive land acquisition strategy. And that was a model where the state was acquiring land and leasing back to farmers. And I think that that distinction came about because of the past when there were these large programs of giving land uh, under grant systems and then the land would lie fallow because not everybody was necessarily a farmer. And so there has been some improvement, I think, on the proactive one. I think the combination of the Department of Land Reform previous then and agriculture uh, means that the departments have come together. There's a way for them to strategize better, complement each other's skills and capabilities and hopefully be able then to offer a much better package to those who are accessing land through redistribution. Uh, there's still challenges, obviously. They're also looking at the blended finance model at the moment. And I think that's going to be very important because it at least allows those who are coming onto the land to take ownership for whatever is going to happen on the land. But it's very important that that blended finance model has the right element of support attached to it. Otherwise, it could also become a failure. And I think that's where this whole issue of public-private partnerships is going to play a critical role in helping that sector to move forward. Is this a key area of focus for the AGDA? Is this where you see your principal area of uh, sort of intervention? Making okay, these? so when we started, one of, I mean, our key was to really support development of black farmers and those wanting to farm. But I think we've realized that in our discussions and engagements with government, as well as the uh, farmers or persons who've already acquired land through land reform, that, that is definitely an area that we're going to have to engage in. I think obviously the challenge would be you have CPAs, communal property associations have not been the best vehicle for us. And so we would have to then work with other partners to look at those elements as well. Because I think the whole issue of governance, management within those communities and identification of those who want to actually become part of the agriculture kind of sector would be important. But we definitely see that as something that we will be engaging with. In fact, 
We've recently had some good discussions also with the Land Claims Commission, as well as the Department of Agriculture. We also are part of the Agri Master Plan team that's working for the country. So we hope that we will make some positive influence into that as well. Thanks for that, Leona. I'm going to ask you one final question, if I may. I'm going to put you on the spot and ask, particularly for our listeners who won't necessarily be as familiar with South Africa as I am, tell us in short summary about South Africa's agricultural competitiveness. What does South Africa do so well? I'm obviously familiar with your wine. I think most of our listeners will be. I eat a lot of your avocados. They're delicious. But what are some of the other strengths? Because you really do have global competitiveness in some areas, we know. I think agriculture is still in the top 10 in terms of what we're exporting out of South Africa. I think if you're looking at our wool, we're still quite good at that. And uh, if you're looking at the Northern Cape and other areas of the country that we're exporting from the Eastern Cape. And I think what was good about that as well is that just an aside, but we've been able to get a number of developing farmers into the world sector. And that has been excellent, I think. So that's an area. Citrus is also something that we do quite well. Mpumalanga, extremely good. The Western Cape, obviously, uh, and the Eastern Cape, all our citrus growing regions. Obviously, there's still challenges in terms of EU. And you know, the standards are extremely high in terms of EU citrus exports, but we still do well in those particular areas. Maize is definitely something that we do well. And I think even with COVID and even last year and the year before with the drought that we suffered in many areas, we were still able to have bumper crops in terms of export. And then you mentioned a number of the fruit growing parts of the Western Cape, besides the wine, which uh, yeah had a significant hit during COVID and our wine farmers were not so happy. But we do a lot of fruit export around your apples and grapes. Uh, your table grapes, et cetera, coming even from from the Northern Cape. So I think fruit industry is still significant. And interestingly, we still exporting to Netherlands, Hong Kong, China, and all of those. I think the red meat industry also quite significant at the moment. And I think China will become one of our bigger markets as far as as the red meat goes because of certain agreements that we're signing country to country. But what we want to do is to make sure I mean, you know, South Africa, in all our communal areas, we are producing red meat constantly, right? But we make sure that we up the standard and the quality of all of those producers and then make sure we meet all the HACCP and Global Gap, all of those standards in terms of our abattoirs and whatever, so that we can increase that export market. And I think that's going to be something we will be focusing on in the next few years with the Department of Agriculture, who have been leading on that particular process. There's a few others that we are trying, but even in Africa, if you look at our surrounding neighbors, Namibia, Zimbabwe. Uh, I was just and about others. to mention that, Leona. Here I am in Cabarone. <laughs> I've been entirely dependent on South African farmers over the last six months. I'm keeping my supply. Exactly. And I mean, our vegetable production, most definitely, we export a lot of our vegetables to our surrounding African countries as well. And I think for me, that's excellent because... It's about now, as we take Africa forward, I think, about how are we going to make sure, even as we improve our own food basket for ourselves, that we actually become a global player much more strong as Africa. Well, that's a beautiful note. Yona Archery, thank you so much for your time and for the insights that you shared with us on South Africa's agriculture. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. It was great chatting.